Welcome to the HRS Podcast, the show where we talk to experts about the things that can go wrong in the workplace and how to avoid them. This podcast is presented by ActDesk, the software that helps employers prevent harassment and spot talent inside their organizations. After the show, learn more at ActDesk.com. That's E-K-D-E-S-K.com. But for now, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Our topic today is diversity and inclusion meets HR. Creating a diverse, inclusive workplace is a key part of the mission of HR. But with diversity and inclusion's high-profile emphasis within the HR function, we often forget that DNI applies to more than hiring, promotion, and retention. For example, it also goes to how an organization interacts with its suppliers, with its customers, and with the public. In that light, just what should the relationship between DNI and HR look like? Joining us to discuss this question is Doug Harris. In 1993, Doug founded the Kaleidoscope Group, which has been recognized among the top 10 pioneers in the DNI industry and whose services cover DNI, cultural change, and education and organizational development. Doug, welcome to the HRS Podcast. Very excited to be here, Andrew. How are you today? I'm doing well. I hope you are. Before we get started, I wondered if you could tell our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do. Okay, again, Doug Harris. I'm with the Kaleidoscope Group. I'm the CEO of the organization. I serve as a, our organization serves as a full service diversity and inclusion consulting firm, and uh, I have been doing this work in August. It will be uh, 30 years, and we really help organizations systemically through the change journey when it comes to the topic of diversity and inclusion, addressing all components of that. Our model as an organization is real people, real conversation, real issues, real change. And so that genuineness and kind of being down to earth and practical in our approach is what we stand for. We consist of uh, 42 people and we have done this work in 44 countries. So we've done this work all around the world. Doug, we're really excited to have you on to talk about diversity and inclusion because our topic today is diversity and inclusion meets HR, this theme of diversity and the HR functions working together. Just as a threshold question, does diversity and inclusion fit entirely within HR? And if not, how should we conceptualize diversity and inclusion's role and place in an organization? Yeah, so I think the partnership between human resources and diversity and inclusion is very important. And I've seen this work done a couple of ways. One is where it sits entirely within the HR community. Other times it fits within some other business function with a strong relationship to the HR community. I think the key for success is no matter where it sits, making sure that the arms and reach for the DNI office has access all elements of the company. And sometimes when it falls underneath HR, some of its extensions are limited and its partnerships are limited, which can impact this effectiveness. So I think ideally it would be to sit outside, but I've seen it done very well inside, but that ability to kind of execute and exhibit its power base is crucial for long-term sustainability. I wonder if you could give us a little bit more of your experience 
on sort of the pros and cons of having a standalone diversity and inclusion office or leadership position versus one that is housed in HR versus one that's maybe housed in another uh, department, for example, a compliance department or the legal function. What are the trade-offs that a company has when it, it puts this function in one place versus another? Yeah, I think human resources owns the people processes that are responsible for many times the culture, the selection, development, retention and advancement of people. So all the things that take place to hopefully create an environment for people to feel valued and respected. So when it fits within HR, there's a natural connection to all of those processes and systems, which can sometimes make it easier to be successful within an organization. At the same time, there's this underlying thing that shows up at times, Andrew, where it's some type of competition. It's almost a question of, well, you know, we can do that in HR. We might not really need DNI. And DNI has a lot of nuances to it. And so many times when it sits outside of HR, they get better ownership from, you know, like we have one client where it sits underneath the business strategy office, one client where it sits underneath the COO. And so it really gets linked more to business success versus just strategically the people processes. Now, no matter where it sits, I think a healthy organization, there needs to be a strong relationship between human resource and DNI. And that really becomes not only a structural question, but just the relationship, competence, uh, understanding of the value that each one brings to the organization to help it be more effective. We often think of diversity and inclusion as being really focused on recruiting, retaining, promoting people in the workplace. But there is the aspect of diversity and inclusion as a set of values and aspirations and goals and, and sometimes rules that maybe apply to other parts of the company too, whether it's and procuring items or services in its relationship with vendors and its marketing function and its product development. It's a broad area that really touches on a lot of areas, probably more heavily than, than others with HR. Do you see any risks or have you seen any risks with having a separate diversity inclusion office or leadership role in terms of folks viewing it as maybe siloed or diversity inclusion? That's a separate office. That's not my function. I don't have to worry, therefore, about diversity inclusion when the reality is that it's a set of concerns that a lot of leaders and a lot of managers should have throughout an enterprise. Yeah, yeah great question, Andrew. The, the way we look at it, and so I'm going to be a little circular, but not very in responding to your question. We have what we talk about who owns what when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And so many times the normal leadership chain owns results. Okay, That is their role to kind of own results. And then the second component of the work is that the DNI office and employee resource groups and things of that nature, they own the strategy and guidance. And then the third group is like human resources, marketing, things of that nature. They own the processes. Mm-hmm. Now, the DNI office should have influence on all elements of the business. And so it should sit somewhere, but not only just sit somewhere, but have the influence and connections to be able to influence the marketplace, the customers, be able to influence some of the creative, innovative new directions. Uh, product development, 
continuous process improvement. And that's when you really achieve the overall value of what this topic brings to the table. And if it gets siloed HR, that outreach around it impacting the business can be seen as not being a point of focus. Right. So that's one of the downsides. But the reality is, Andrew, no matter where you sit it, you have to be committed to its true value and make the necessary changes so that it does have the influence that it can have on an organization. Picking up that topic of, of where DNI sits in an organization with a focus again on, on HR with, with this podcast, where have you seen, in terms of just the hierarchy, in terms of the org chart, either formal or informal, where have you seen DNI sit in a way that is most effective for it developing a fruitful, productive relationship with the HR or the employee relations function? And what are some potential risks of putting DNI in one place versus in another in terms of maybe hindering that relationship with HR? The most powerful way I've seen DNI sit is directly underneath the CEO. Mm-hmm. So that person is a C-suite member with accountability and relationships with all other C-suite members and the appropriate type of influence and impact on the company to really drive change. And so that's probably been the most effective place. But again, I want to repeat, Andrew, because it's a little tricky here, where you sit as a part of that equation, but how much influence you have is even more important. And so sitting is obviously the first step of influence and importance but how we execute, because I've also seen situations where they sit at that table, but nobody listens to what they say, you know? So it has to be seen as a true value and it has to be owned by all the stakeholders. It has to be owned by HR. It has to be owned by the C-suite. It has to be owned by the DNI office and the other processes if it's really going to achieve the result. Now, one of the other things I'll mention here, Andrew, is that HR is so important from even a competent standpoint in the DNI world. The DNI office many times will consist of three, maybe to ten people mm-hmm. at the most. And HR is all over the country, all over the world. So when people have people issues, the first place they'll go to is human resources to get answers and support. So if they are not embedded in the topic, regardless of where it sits from a, a competent standpoint, it will impede their effectiveness in creating that culture where people feel valued and left. So one of the things we do a lot of work on is improving the competence of the HR community, both as in a partnership of alliance, but a partnership of competencies so they can play their role well. You raise a really good point about having a seat at the table, whether you have a C-suite diversity officer or somebody else senior who has a, a high rank position on paper isn't always the same thing as having somebody or a function that is taken seriously or that has a lot of influence on decisions within the company and culture in the company. What are, in your practice, what are some best practices for how HR leaders or other leaders can champion and empower the DNI function, and I think similarly to that, you were you were alluding to it. What are some best practices for how HR teams can really leverage and use a DNI office or leadership role as a resource for bolstering their mission as human resources professionals? Yeah, it's another great question, Andrew. I think the first place is to have a strong partnership in the human resource strategy. 
But many times, HR will go sit in the room, come up with their strategy, have no influence or connection to the DNI office, and then go have a conversation with how do we work together. So I think sitting at the table early and influencing the direction and the nuances attached to how do we do the HR work with a DNI lens is a key best practice in moving this forward. I think the other piece is when you start getting involved with goal setting and establishing objectives, there needs to be something within the HR community where there are goals and specific objectives that they need to meet as a support system for driving long-term success. That could be things such as enhancing and expanding their recruitment resources, building the competency around dealing across lines of differences in the interview process, challenging leaders, because HR uh, play a key role in the hiring processes. So when leaders are letting their biases maybe take over, HR needs to be a vehicle that can help challenge leaders to see the world in a more open way. And again, the stronger that relationship and the stronger the competence, the better able they are to play that role. In your experience, are there any ideals or is there an ideal picture you could provide of an HR department and a diversity inclusion office that are just really working spectacularly hand in hand productively together toward advancing their mutual missions. And on the flip of that, are there any prototypical examples that you can think of, of instances where those two groups are not working effectively together that it might be if listeners identify or hear a little bit of that in their their own sort of setup that might be a warning sign of, hey, we should think about ways we should work together more closely or uh, bridge whatever gaps that we have to, to be more yeah. effective in advancing the, the HR and the, the diversity mission. Yeah, let, let me try to answer that because it gets interesting. And what when I say that, it is both a structural conversation, it's also a competency conversation, and then it's a belief structure conversation. So that belief structure is how important is this topic. So when I see the relationship working well, the lanes of operation and execution are very clear, you know, and how we partner in those lanes is very clear. And there's a value statement or a value belief that we really need one another as assets to create the change. So I've seen two of the exact same structures, one work great, and one work bad simply because of the people who are in the structure. It's not the structure, it's the execution and operation of that structure which drives that change. And so what sits above both of those parties is a C-suite or executive team that is being held accountable for results that is making sure that those two work very well together as far as driving the organization towards change. And then, you know, I just seen people who are just very good in both the HR seat and the DNI seat as it relates to building those partnerships with the organization first in mind. When it doesn't work is when people get real territorial mm-hmm. as it relates to this work and they don't think about the organization first, but they think about the lane which they control. And that's when we've seen a lot of concerns and challenges come to the table. Yeah, I guess in some ways it's a little bit like making a car or building a, designing a car rather. One person Mm -hmm. is responsible for designing the steering wheel and one person's responsible for designing the powertrain and 
one person's yeah. responsible for the transmission and uh you can't have the car you can't have a good effective running car at least without all of those folks working together carefully and i think that's true with diversity inclusion and its its constituents especially its uh, hr constituents in a company and to some extent yeah. it's not so much the structure that you put in place but the the personnel is is the policy to um, cite an old quote we talk a lot about commitment, course, and competence. So a commitment to the change, a course of action for that change to have to be able to drive that change. And all three of those must be at play if true change is going to happen. And people often call a consultant and they'll ask for the best strategy, but then not have the competence in executing that strategy and still won't achieve the results they're looking to achieve. So you got to have that commitment with meaningful accountability. You got to have that strategy with tactical goals and understanding, and then you got to do it well. And uh, when it is done well, I think at the end of the day, the big point is that the organization benefits from one, getting the best people, maximizing their performance, and then at the end of it, again, getting superior performance and results in the whole process. I think that's a good point. It's really a, a three-leg stool. You, you can't have one without the other. Doug, if our listeners want to learn more about what you do or want to reach out, where can they go for that? Yeah, thank you. Our, our website, www.webkg.com. Okay. www.webkg.com. And you find a lot of information around what we do, who we are, our, pro, our uniqueness in this work. Uh, we've been doing it for 30 years. We have a lot of ex experience, but we constantly reinvent ourselves and try different things to stay relevant and be on top of both the new trends and the new things that are driving change. So we would love to talk to you more based on where you are in your journey and any type of support we might be able to give. Okay. And that sounds like a great resource. And I'll put a, a link to that on the show notes. Doug, thank you for joining us on the HRS podcast. It's been such a pleasure, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll do it again. All right. Take care. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the HRS podcast. This episode is presented by ECDES.com, the software that helps prevent workplace harassment and spot untapped talent. You can find show notes for today's episode at ekdesk.com slash podcast. That's E-K-D-E-S-K dot com slash podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.